checking on his stick. We are Chicken on a Stick. Welcome to another episode. Welcome, welcome. Today we're going to be talking about uh, my pick for this week, which is a movie that I absolutely love. Yeah. Uh, 2015's Anomalisa, a stop motion movie that can be taken many different ways. I had, I had not heard of this movie until I met you and you mentioned it. Yeah, I made your life better. Which I have said before plenty of times, I'm not a big stop motion and or puppet person, so I wasn't going into it too excited, but yes, I, you, you opened my eyes. Yeah. We'll get more to the eye-opening mm-hmm. bits of this movie uh, in just a little bit. Yep. Try to. Try to what? Try to explain. I think I might have psychological problems. Oh, good. That clears things up. Thanks. It's hard to explain. I've been running for a long time now. Running? We, We were special together. That's what I thought. Yeah, I agree. But things kind of shifted. Just like completely suddenly. I was so pissed at you. I was so fucking hurt. I didn't get out of bed for a year. Do you realize that? Jesus. I'm sorry. God. You drank that fast? I got a lot of practice. Listen, do you feel that you changed? I mean, do you feel that you changed? What are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know. Like, in any way, like, in any way, did you change? Like, while we were together, like, did I change you? Did you change? Did anything change? Did a change occur? Did a... Michael, you're freaking me out. I can't take being more freaked out right now. I'm sorry, I'm a mess. I'm just... (sighs) Do you want to maybe go up to my room for another drink we could talk more privately what we're not going to fuck michael i wasn't i just okay so anomalisa just kind of jump into a little bit of information about the movie before we get started is a 2015 adult stop motion animation psychological comedy drama it's a lot at least that's you know what it says i would have probably trimmed that down a little bit but anyway the film is written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. Uh, Charlie Kaufman, pretty well known in the movie sphere for a couple of things. Uh, most importantly, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, being John Malkovich, movie. adaptation, uh, Schenectady, New York. Um, and then one a couple years ago that we watched that came out on Netflix, uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, oh, which so was also good. a very twisty movie. So good. Um, he co-directs this with Duke Johnson, and it is based on Kaufman's 2005 autoplay of the same name 
under his alias of Francis Fregoli, um, which kind of dives into a little bit of something we'll talk about hmm. later on. Yeah. Um, basically, the movie is about a middle-aged British customer service expert named Michael Stone who perceives everybody as identical except for him except for a woman named Lisa that he meets Um, and then it kind of goes from there yep so the movie I don't know I'm not 100% certain but in 2015 I know almost certainly is in the time period of when I had movie pass. Oh, really? And I was going almost daily to see quite literally whatever was playing. Not very different from now. Since I could go to every single, basically every movie theater, uh, I would just look up what was playing and be Mm -hmm. like, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, So I don't think I knew anything about this going into it. Uh, And then went and saw it, and I do like stop motion animation quite a bit. Um, I do like puppet stuff and I was I I loved this movie I don't even remember ever seeing a trailer I don't was it like it was very indie at the time or no uh I mean sure it definitely wasn't like a huge release yeah 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 never never seen it and I'm trying to think of what puppet movies I even liked before I didn't I didn't even really I didn't care for everybody loves um what's that one movie with the puppets they're like the America League Team, Team America Team America <laughs> America League <laughs> I don't know Team America World Police I didn't care for that Well that was made by the people who do South Park so That's probably why. somehow I'm not surprised Yeah <laughs> Anyway um the movie stars Really only three people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is our main character, Michael, is played by David Thewlis. I yeah. don't think that's an accurate way to pronounce his last name. But um, he's done tons of movies. You'd know his voice, everything. Maggie, anytime she hears him in anything, yeah. likes to be like, that's the shame monster from Big Mouth on Big Netflix. Mouth. <laughs> yeah, the, the animated show from John Mulaney. He plays a a monster on there and his voice is just it's so distinctive yes yes it is he was also in the tv show fargo he has been in loads of things yeah um was he in harry potter yes ah, I thought so. uh so, <laughs> so uh it also stars tom noonan <laughs> tom noonan voices every other character in this except for Michael and Lisa. Right. And then Lisa is voiced by Jennifer Jason Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all pretty well-known people. Um, Tom Noonan's probably the least recognizable name to more general people, but both the other people you've definitely seen in high-profile movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, or in TV shows or something. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, this movie... I guess we can just kind of get into it and we'll talk about it along the way because there's quite a few... This movie isn't exactly straightforward. It can it can be straightforward and it really depends on how you take it. And Charlie Kaufman has said in interviews that he doesn't like to 
talk about his movies once he's made them. He kind of wants mm-hmm. to leave the meanings and stuff more or less ambiguous or not tell you what his thoughts or meanings yeah. were behind it because he wants... Your interpretation. Your, you to have an interpretation. Right. So you can kind of take it however you want. So while there's some things in this that by the end do feel pretty straightforward, there's sort of a layer to it where if you don't know about this um, delusion mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll, we will talk about, you might not pick up on it. Once right. you do know the delusion, you can kind of watch the movie a little bit differently, mm-hmm. but you can take it basically however you want to take it. Right. Uh, and trust me, there's a lot of people who think, a lot think different many things. different things about this movie. You could go on for days watching YouTube people break down what the okay. end, what what the meaning to the movie was and Just stuff. Just go down an absolute rabbit yeah. hole. <clears throat> so to get into the movie, uh, the movie opens up with a... A black screen, mm-hmm. and we just start to hear some voices. Yes. Uh, and you want to pick up the, on this maybe immediately, but all the voices we're hearing are the same person. This is yeah. Tom Noonan, again, voicing every character in this who's not uh, Michael or Lisa. It's just kind of gibberish. There's a lot of different things being said, and it's just one voice, and then more voices, and they all kind of get muddled over top of each other into this uh, just sound just a, a just a sound of talking like something you might hear if you're at like an airport or yeah or, or i don't know or a concert or something if you're in a large area of people and they're all sort of talking there's like that the the sound mm-hmm. of just many people talking but you can't really decipher things it's i i found it very unnerving to to listen to especially once you do realize that they're all the same voice talking over each other you're like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, we do see, we hear a little kid point out that there's a plane, and we see in the these clouds this plane just sort of flying through <laughs> this cloudy air where the sun's like hardly getting through, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of flying there. And as we're just sitting there again, just kind of listening to this hum of people talking, uh... <laughs> if there was a loud spike there, Sorry. Maggie punched the microphone. I just accidentally hit the microphone. Um, <laughs> we get... Uh, the captain kind of comes over to the loudspeaker, says something, and as he does, the plane we see flies into a cloud mm-hmm. and then vanishes. Yeah. And then the camera pulls out, and we're inside the cabin of an airplane, and Michael's got a window seat, and he's just kind of staring out the window, mm-hmm. and... Um, we, he takes some pills, we look down, he takes some pills, mm-hmm. we don't really know what they are, doesn't really say, he just takes some pills. Probably Xanax or something. Could be. Um, and then he pulls out this letter, he's got this letter that's folded up and he starts to read this letter and we get a voiceover to this letter, but we also see this woman's face reading this letter back to him. And it's essentially just a letter of her being, she wrote to Michael saying, basically like what happened yeah uh i thought things were going good and then you vanished and now like you don't want to talk to me like Mm -hmm. did i do something what's wrong we only get a little snippet of this letter here but it's gonna pop up uh, about two more times throughout the movie right um and it kind of helps you a little bit understand 
what is going to happen almost immediately after we get to the end of that letter. Okay. Um, they land, the plane lands in Cincinnati, and immediately Michael is sitting there, and the passenger next to him leans right into his face, says, hey, I- I'm sorry that I grabbed your hand while yeah. we were landing. I'm a nervous flyer. Mm-hmm. And Michael's just, he's got like the exact look that I would have, which yeah. is like, an irritated expression, Very but he just irritated. says, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, oh, I'm just nervous. And he's like, it's it's okay, it's fine. And then there's a break, and then he goes, you can let go of my hand now. <laughs> yeah. And then it reveals that the guy's still holding his hand for a little bit of a joke. I have made a note. I have one million percent. I, I wrote accidentally. I don't, I think it was just like a knee-jerk reaction. On taking off and landing, I've absolutely put my hand out to a stranger's hand. <laughs> One million percent. Always women. Not that that matters. But I, I'm very curious what you would do if a stranger was next to you. I would pull room. my hand away. As yeah, soon as they tried to grab so it, mean. I would take my hand away. No, I would hold their hand for sure. I would not. You don't want to be comforted if you think you're going down? I take that well, back. No, I, don't, I, I, don't I would think that I, the plane is landing normally. I don't assume that we're crashing. I forgot that you welcome the sweet, sweet release of death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. You'd really pull away. Yes, that's weird. Like, if it was a child or something, that'd be different. But a grown adult, no, (laughs) don't touch me. I'd be holding strangers' hands. It's bad enough that we're packed into an airplane, super tight, uncomfortable levels. It's (laughs) almost claustrophobic. I don't want a random person touching me. That's fair. Um, anyway, he gets off the plane, he's walking through this airport, Michael puts on some headphones to listen to, uh, like an opera song. Um, the music is normal, it's the Mm -hmm. music you would recognize, but again, the singer is the same voice we keep hearing. Mm -hmm. So the song, he's listening to music to sort of drown out the noise of just random people in this airport. At this point, you've also noticed that every other character child Mm -hmm. adult man woman doesn't matter they all have the same exact face as well very creepy and so he puts in headphones kind of drowned everything out Mm -hmm. that's kind of what i like to do is like i put on headphones and then just leave me alone alone. (laughs) um and he gets outside he gets into a taxi Mm -hmm. uh the taxi driver seems like he like taps on the window or like waves at him guy barely cracks the window and he's like he doesn't say anything he's like hey can you take me to the frigoli hotel Mm -hmm. and the guy's like yeah okay whatever so weirdly the taxi driver seems like indifferent and uncaring at first right and then as soon as the car starts the taxi driver does not shut up no he is also a nightmare i don't want don't talk to me just take me where we're going you would be so miserable I feel like you I feel like you've had that happen to you before. Where someone was just like trying to be chatty Cathy and you're like, Oh my god, stop. Yeah. Um Yeah, it he, But also to be fair, I'm not trying to be an asshole, just traveling for me sucks to begin with. Yeah. I don't need the added like annoyance of people Social making anxiety. small talk, which I absolutely despise. I do hate small talk. But it, it is so funny how um and the, the taxi driver, you know, pulls a, an answer out of him. 
out of one of the 18 million questions he's asked in the span of a second. And when he, as soon as he hears that he's got a British accent, he's just even more uh, amped. Yeah. Now he's like just a rocket of questions. And I have always said, well, I, I always, but I say this every single time we watch something where someone has an accent, right? I always say, accents do not equal personality. And the taxi driver here is just relishing in him being British. Not to toot my own horn, toot toot is someone who traveled and met a lot of people with different accents. It doesn't equal a personality. And I think it's annoying when people get obsessed over accents. Stop it. <laughs> All right, hot take, I guess. <laughs> Um, Except for Ghost. Ghost is... Our friend friend Ghost has an accent. Shout out to Ghost Hacks Gaming. (laughs) Shout out to the Scottish one. Yes, the Scottish one. His accent. Um, (laughs) So, the taxi driver is kind of being like, oh, so you're, you're, what are you here for, business? Oh, you're visiting? Have you been to Cincinnati before? Oh, man, Cincinnati's great. You gotta go see a lot of things. Like the Cincinnati Zoo. This is probably the best bit and also hilarious. Um, he says the, the, the zoo's great. He kind of tells him some things about the zoo, like they're doing stuff for, like, endangered species and breeding programs and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, how, how long are, are you got to try the Cincinnati chili? It's not like other chili. Yeah. Um, and he's like, how long are you here for? And Michael's like, a day. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, if you had to do one thing, you should go see the zoo. Because, mm-hmm. like, that doesn't take a day. It's only zoo-sized. Yeah, it's only zoo-sized. Uh, and then you can get the chili, because you don't need a long time to eat chili. Yeah. <laughs> Again, just, uh, I would have, I would act the same way Michael does, which mm-hmm. is, he very clearly seems annoyed by it, yeah. and agitated. Uh, I would be the same way. Oh, there one million percent has been a time or two where someone approached us and tried to make small talk with you, and I, like, interjected to be like, Oh, yeah, so anyway, oh, yeah, so that you didn't have to say anything. Yeah, she's the, t- she's the talker. I'm the chatty one. Yeah. I make friends everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael gets dropped off at this hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, actually, more importantly, he does ask... Does he ask the taxi driver about it? He asks the taxi driver if there's a toy store nearby. Yeah. And the taxi driver, he says that he's got to get a... Uh, a gift for his son. Michael's got to get a gift for his son. And the taxi driver very clearly takes it as a different type of toy. He mm-hmm. thinks he means, oh yeah, buddy, an adult toy. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. he goes, there is, a, there is a toy store a few blocks down. You can walk to it. Uh, it's open 24-7. Yeah. Michael just, you know, in his like half listening, caring to what this guy says picks up okay there's a toy store it's within walking distance whatever no question about the way he said it the fact that it's open 24 7 yeah nothing about that a couple red flags there uh michael gets to the hotel um very importantly to this story and to kind of understanding a little bit about uh potentially a way you can take this movie has to do with the name of the hotel the Mm -hmm. hotel's name is the Fregoli. Right. Uh, that could be... I could be mispronouncing it. I'm not 100% sure how it's pronounced. But the most important part is... 
Fregoli is a reference to a thing known as the Fregoli delusion. This is a rare disorder in which a person holds a delusional belief that different people are in fact the same person who changes appearances or is in a disguise. The syndrome might relate to a brain lesion and is often uh, a paranoia of nature, or is of paranoia in nature. Uh, With the delusion of person believing themselves uh, persecuted by the people they believe are in a disguise, um, a person with the Fregoli delusion can also inaccurately recall places, objects, and events. This disorder can be explained by associative nodes. The associative nodes serve as a biological link of information about other people with a particular familiar face uh, to the patient. This means that for any face that is similar or recognizable face to the patient, that the patient will recall that face as a person they know, Mm -hmm. even though it might not actually be. Um, The Fregoli delusion is classed both as a monotheatic delusion or monothematic delusion since it only encompasses one delusional topic as a delusional misidentification syndrome a class of delusional beliefs that involve misidentifying people places or objects fascinating so basically mm-hmm. um, one thing you can kind of pick up on this and, and Kaufman has come out and said that no the movie Michael in the movie does not necessarily have Fregoli delusion, Mm -hmm. but very clearly it in some way informs the story being told. Right. Because, again, everyone in this movie we've met so far, and everybody we will meet other than Lisa, will have the exact same face. Same voice. And the exact same voice. So, uh, Michael's wife... Son, the taxi driver, the people on the plane, the random passerbyers, the hotel uh, clerk, or mm-hmm. whatever you call the people at the desk. Concierge. Concierge. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, the bellboy. Everybody is the exact same face, yeah. same voice. Um, it's trippy. So that's something you can keep in mind. We did see Michael take pills at the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. So you can already kind of realize that maybe he's not mentally... Yes. All there. Maybe he does have this delusion. Maybe not. So, once he gets to the hotel, um, he does ask for a... if they have a quiet room. Okay. And there's this weirdly unnerving scene where the concierge is like, okay, let me check. And without breaking eye contact yeah. or looking down at all, you just hear him kind of clicking away at the keys. Just staring and right into it. We do get a close-up of Michael's face, and he kind of, like, winces his eyes a little bit, like, yeah. this is kind of creepy. And the guy goes, oh, yeah, we have a, a an executive junior suite on the 10th floor, far above the street level. should be quiet. It's smoking, whatever. And he's like, okay, cool, perfect, I'll take it. And we then get this... Uh, like bellboy or is that what they're called? Bellhop? There you go. Um, Bellboy. Bellboy, bellhop. I don't know. (laughs) He seems very eager to like please Mm -hmm. Michael. uh, He's doing small talk. He's like, oh, it's very nice to meet you. I'll take you back. Um, 
it's clear that Michael is there to present something mm -hmm. or might be sort of a big deal. Right. Uh, to me, it seems crazy that anyone would think that he's actually a big deal mm -hmm. with what his specific job is. Right. And this, again, can go back to Michael being delusional. Right. Not necessarily just about maybe having the Fregroli delusion, but about like his self-importance. Yeah. Like He puts himself on this higher pedestal than he really should be because again it's customer service like yeah. you're you're selling out like an entire exactly. auditorium for that shit yeah right you, or you think some random bellhop's gonna be like oh my god you're yeah. such a big deal no, no. they're they looking for those tips <laughs> uh so the bellhop similar to the taxi driver is asking him questions um we have this little thing with a couple of these people when michael's kind of short with them giving them yes or no responses basically that people constantly re-ask him right. the question, and he's just getting more aggravated as it goes. Um, he gets brought to his room, room 1007, and uh, I don't think there's anything important about that, but I just made a note to remember it because yeah. whatever. Right. <laughs> uh, the bellhop is in the room. He's like, okay, this is your room. Um, you got... You know, amenities in the little bar. You got this. You got that. He's just, um, he's just overselling it. Would you want me to go get you ice before I leave? What do you want? And Michael's like, okay, God, here's your tip. Just leave. No. Um, some people look into that a lot more uh, than I think maybe you should. I don't. I do think it's just um, assuming that all these characters are actual different people. That it's just an overzealous bellhop. Oh, yeah. trying to get extra tip not necessarily somebody who's like in love with michael or whatever yeah I, um, I i worked at the front desk of a hotel for a little bit when i was a teenager and yeah the bellhops and the um uh the shuttle drivers they lay it on thick yeah because some of those people are if they look like they've got money then of course you're gonna go well out of your way yeah. Uh, so after getting settled in his room, uh, Michael decides to order some room service. Mm -hmm. He picks up the phone. Um, he goes to order the food on this phone. Uh, and also, again, um, the timeline for this movie is like 2005 or something. Right. Like, it's, it's definitely, it's before, like, actual cell phones. Mm hmm uh, so nobody has a cell phone or anything like that. No apps. Um, and so he's looking at the phone, and the phone has, like, six different buttons that all seem to indicate food of some yeah. sort. That's pretty funny. Um, so he picks just one of them, and he orders some food, some room service. Which, again, very you, the way he ordered his food. He's very, they kept trying to ask him questions, and he's just being really straight to the point. Yep. Just he I, even hangs up on them before they finish yeah, talking. Yeah. I mean, which is something I would do. <laughs> would do? Yeah. Do do. If, okay. Yeah. Sure. I you, guess. You. I've heard you hang up the phone without saying goodbye. Yeah. Well, why? Well, okay. It's awkward. <laughs> Click. All right. We're done. See ya. <laughs> I guess that is true. I don't say goodbye to anybody. I. You don't really. Talk. Barely even say bye to me. Uh, anyway, um, he takes his time to call home. He talks to his wife. Um, 
he very clearly is just trying to basically tell his wife that he's landed. She kind of asks yeah. him about the room. He's like, I don't know, it's it's a hotel room. It looks, you know, it looks nice, I guess. Again, something um, you would say. Exactly what I would say. If you if I went to a hotel and you asked me, how's the room? It's a hotel room. Like, what do you want? I want to know the deets. What do you, is like, there a little fridge? Do you have a, is there free soaps? Little tiny shampoos? That's... Ridiculous. <laughs> this is absolutely a conversation that we would have. Yeah. Um, so he's, he also seems sort of frustrated and talking to his wife on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, uh, Henry, his son, is heard in the background, and the wife's like, Oh, Henry, it's your dad. Do you want to talk? And he's like, No, no. Just, I just, I want to rep. Like, no. And then the he's son exhausted. gets on the phone anyway, and he's just like, Hey, hey, slugger, how are yeah. you doing? Hey. Um, Which you know exactly how that feels if if your parent was anything like my mom. We, she, she'd have a friend on the phone or, or one of my aunts or something. She'd be like, hey, Maggie, come say hi. No, I, I don't want to talk on the phone. Here you go. Yeah. And hands it to you anyway. And uh, eventually his wife gets back on the phone and is like, okay, well, you'll have a nice big bed to thrash around in and he kind of snaps at her and just says it's not thrashing i'm just restless i just want to get some sleep yeah some rest um which i think he's had a long day yes one i do think again because i (laughs) as far as the way the character reacts to other people and small talk and just like strangers (laughs) and just like wanting to get the interactions over with i get it that shit yeah. drains me too. Oh, yeah. I just, I, I would just, I don't want to do extended things after the fact, whatever. But even uh, also too, <clears throat> even if you're only going to the airport and getting on like an hour, hour and a half long flight, that entire process is, is exhausting. Let alone a four hour, eight hour flight. Yeah, that's just tiring. It takes that out of you. Right. I don't know why um, I sounded so Canadian. I think... <laughs> it takes it out of you. <laughs> I think his restlessness is sort of a symptom of, again, his mental issues. Mm-hmm. And especially since not only is he just aggravated and frustrated with, like, the small talk and the small dumb nuances of conversation with people or whatever being touched but by everybody <laughs> sounds and looks the exact same right and that would probably take a toll on you yeah um you know you'd probably feel like you're in a nightmare if something like that was happening so it makes it sense would, it would depend on the voice if everybody sounded like chris pratt you wouldn't get tired of that i don't think so uh yeah okay <laughs> Um, he gets off the phone with his wife, he starts to take a smoke, and he walks over to the window and opens up this curtain, and he's looking out at the city skyline of Cincinnati, and <clears throat> he happens to catch that there's a person in, like, an office building, mm-hmm. uh, on a computer, and that person, uh, is definitely not working, well, not, 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 doing, a, not doing a job, but they're working on themselves because he catches this dude just masturbating. Uh, very awkward. Very, very gross. No one needs to accidentally see a stranger <laughs> diddling themselves. Uh, so he kind of closes the blinds. And then he pulls out some paper and he starts to rehearse this speech of his. 
uh, and it's a speech about customer service. And he's just sort of reciting some of the lines uh, over and over to himself. Um, and in getting sort of frustrated with it, he goes and he opens up the mini fridge, gets like a vodka or something yeah. out of it, um, and makes a drink. So as he's getting this drink, we start to hear a voice again, and it's, um, again, the voice from that letter that he was reading at the beginning, and it's kind of going over more of what's in in the letter itself. Right. So in his sort of thinking back on this note and uh, starting to kind of drink and maybe his frustration with the day, he pulls out a phone book, mm-hmm. the yellow pages, flips through them, to find her number, finds it, calls her. She again sounds like everybody else, so he doesn't quite realize it's her when she answers the phone. Right. But he introduces, I guess, reintroduces himself to her. He's like, "Oh, it's Michael. Hey, I'm in. I'm in town, and mm-hmm. I was just wondering how you were and stuff." And she's like, "Jesus Christ, Michael! It's been years. Yeah. Like, what the what the fuck do you want?" With like, me? why why is this out of the blue? <clears throat> Would you answer a phone call like that? No. Absolutely not. Also, just... Unless it's an emergency, just don't call me in general. Yeah. I don't... You don't You don't need to hear my voice. You know what's worse than people that just call? People <laughs> that just willy-nilly FaceTime you. What are you doing? Only old people do that. I guess. I need notice. You willy-nilly FaceTime me. Oh, well, that's if I need you to see something. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, the woman he calls, name is Bella. Mm-hmm. Um, he called her to, in hopes of maybe, like, rekindling something or recapturing whatever they seem to have had previously. And when he first kind of talks to her, he kind of sounds relieved, but she still sounds just like everybody else. Right. Um, he basically invites her out to, um, have a drink, Mm -hmm. meet at the bar, nothing else, just meet, have a drink, catch up, that sort of thing. And though it's very awkward, she does eventually agree, like, sure, we can meet and maybe have a drink or something, but that's it. Um, he does admit that there's something wrong with him. And says that everything's boring, mm-hmm. uh, and Bella's like, "Okay, fine, I, I'll I'll come to fucking yeah. relax, dude. Calm, calm down over there." Um, he at this point turns on the TV. Once she's kind of agreed and they're off the phone, he turns on the TV and sees a movie. It's an old black and white movie. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. Um, they're recreating a scene from the movie My Man Godfrey from 1936 again everybody in it looks and sounds exactly the same so it's not like a famous actor or something it doesn't matter everything everyone is the same in his mind he then goes and meets Bella at the bar Uh, he's kind of excited about it seemingly uh, but she still looks and sounds exactly like everybody else so they're tr- he's trying to have small talk with her, which is a little bit different from how he's acted with other people, where he was non-receptive to the small talk. Now he's trying to make conversation, sort yeah. of break the ice with her. It's 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 so uncomfortable on one hand, but endearing on the other. 
But yeah, it's, it's at some point it's a little cringy, and then you're like, aw, he's trying. <laughs> yeah. Um, they order some drinks, uh, a very specific drink. They get like a Belvedere something with a twist. <laughs> yeah. Straight up with a twist or something yeah. like that. Um, they cheers to old times, mm -hmm. like you do, I guess. Uh, and she says she misses him and then asks him to explain what's going on. Mm -hmm. And this part is very telling uh, about his state of mind and current being. Mm -hmm. And is also, like, weirdly open for what we know about him as a character so currently. Mm -hmm. But he says to her, um, I think I have psychological problems. Mm -hmm. Um... And says he's been running for a long time, and that when they were together, they had a good time, but then something suddenly changed. Yeah. He doesn't know what it was, but something just changed. He asks Bella if she feels like she changed at all during their time together, Then asks, uh, and then asks her to come up to his room, um, and she just goes, I'm not gonna fuck you, Michael. Yeah. Like, I'm not Straight doing that. Straight to the point. Um, Which he was not expecting her to say. He admits to being lonely and thought maybe they could rekindle things. Uh, and she's just like, no, fuck you. Yeah. I'm leaving. And yeah. she storms off. Yeah. I don't care about your problems. You can't just call me up willy-nilly out of the blue. Say you have some switch that turned on or off in you and then invite me you know, up to your room. I mean, that happens sometimes, though. Does it? <laughs> I don't know. Um, weirdly enough, I, I told her this, and I'm, I won't get in crazy details or anything about it, but I've had a similar conversation with somebody before. Right. Where after an extended period of time, I spoke with uh, an ex, and it wasn't on like bad terms or anything. We're... Mm -hmm. We're, we're good, we're friends, mm -hmm. uh, like, nothing horrible or whatever. But there was, like, the weird conversation of, like, what happened after the right. breakup sort of thing. And it is, it's awkward, and it's like, well, I, sorry. Sorry. I don't, I don't like, what can you, you can't really make or fix no. anything. Um, I think you just have to also realize that sometimes people just change. And, you know, maybe they didn't handle it the best way, but, you know, it happens, I guess. Yeah. From here, we see Michael walking down the street. Uh, it's very clear he's drank quite a bit, um, although we've maybe seen him have three drinks at this point. He had the drink, he mixed drink he made in the room. Mm -hmm. He already had a drink by the time Bella showed up, then he ordered a second one. But he's kind of stumbling down the sidewalk. And we get the final part of Bella's note at this point where she's just, uh, it's the last section of it where she's just like, all right, goodbye, Michael. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck you. Toodaloo. Um, and then he's walking along and we see that he has arrived at uh, Dino's Toys or Dino's Toys. Yep. And he kind of looks in the window, whatever, walks in. Weirdly, I've hear, heard some people be like, he looks in the window and doesn't realize it's a sex shop. Like, 
I don't see any... I can't really make anything out in that window that would explicitly tell a drunk person that this is a sex shop and not a... Like a Toys R Us yeah, or whatever. <laughs> Do Toys R Us still exist? No. I don't know. Like a Build-A-Bear or something. Yeah. So he goes in. Um, he stumbles to the counter. Uh, we do see at this point definitely that it is a sex shop because there's dildos and stuff sitting on the counters and whatever. All kinds of things. Um, and he drunkenly tells the guy at the counter that he's looking for a toy for his son. And then he, he knocks something over, and he looks down, and he goes, oh, he, he realizes the kind of story he's in, but yeah. it's not, you're probably not going to find something for your son there. But then he looks up, and he notices behind the cashier this antique, mm-hmm. I guess is what you would call it. And he asks, like, well, what is that? Um, and it's a Japanese antique, and it's this like a a bust mm-hmm. of of like a geisha basically mm-hmm. that is split right down the middle the chest is split right down the middle where one side is i guess has skin or something mm-hmm. it's got an exposed breast on it or whatever and like an arm that looks like it's got you know skin and stuff on it right. but very clearly kind of like robotic like the joints and stuff so that it can move but the other one is like an exposed exoskeleton yeah. where you see gears and things and then you have its head, which is a normal-looking face for the most part, but above the right eye, I believe, is a crack. It's got a crack right above its, like, right eye. And he's just, like, staring at it. He says that it's pretty. He's, like, just... It looks different and unique. Whatever. It's, like, it's definitely... I... it. It's a, a maybe sexier, romancier uh, version of the thing that most high school biology labs have, which is the half skeleton and the half like human part of plastic part of it. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, back at his hotel room, he's taking a shower. He has a Maggie moment where mm-hmm. the water is. Too cold, too hot, too cold, too hot. Can't find the middle ground temperature. I, I love this new place, but that... The shower is possessed by the devil. Don't even touch the handle, and it goes from freezing to boiling to freezing to boiling. Like, That's what she says. Like, I, I'll... I, you just, it's like doing the hokey pokey in there. Like, you gotta, like, jump away from it and then jump back in. Get a little of my hair wet. I don't think... I don't agree with that, but... It's possessed. You also think, like, medium temperature, like, hardly warm water is hot. I'm sorry. I don't... When I open the bathroom door to walk out of a shower, it shouldn't look like I'm Taylor Swift at a concert. And there's just, like, plumes of, like, like smoke coming out of the door. I like my skin the way it is. I like to boil. I don't like I've to boil. I've told you. I don't like to boil my skin. told you I gotta boil for my sins. <laughs> right. The flying spaghetti months yeah, anyway. There you go. <laughs> Any pastafarians out there? Um, also, I- if you're able to leave a comment <clears throat> at all, anywhere, you should say whether or not scalding showers make any sort of sense. 
because they don't. <laughs> it's not scolding. I'm not getting third degree burns or first degree burns. It looks like it. I'm not. <laughs> anyway, so Michael gets out of the shower. We do get full frontal male puppet nudity. I do you like my note? Oh yeah, she wrote a note that says winky on it. That's all it says. <laughs> um we get a scene here which is um for the Blu-ray version of the movie that we own. Mm-hmm. Uh this is the scene. He goes up to the mirror which is fogged from all the steam and he wipes it away and it's just his face, his, he's looking back at his reflection. Mm-hmm. And while he's doing this, the way the puppet's faces are in this, if you haven't watched this movie, is they're bisected. Right. So everything below the eyes is a segment. Right. Where it's just the mouth. So the lips and stuff, basically for the people who are controlling the stop motion can rearrange these mouthpieces and you've got tons of them and they're kind of interchangeable you can put them all over the place whatever and then you have from the eyes up so like the eyebrow forehead and stuff so you got two different pieces for the face that can do different things and in this point when he's looking in the mirror his bottom part of his face with his lips and stuff starts to just like glitch and do all these weird things and movements and stuff and he grabs his jaw to kind of hold it in place And then as he's looking in the mirror, getting really close, he starts to undo part of his face. Just a little bit. There's a little space, a little crack that you can see that he's pulling at. But just as he's doing that, he hears a voice in the hallway. Mm -hmm. And it's not Tom Noonan who voices everybody else, but it's a different voice. There's somebody else that he's hearing. And he basically snaps out of it. Like, this scene is clear that Michael's basically... His sanity's on the edge of breaking yeah. at this point. Absolutely, and he's he's freaking out. But that the that scene of him wiping the mirror of um, you know wiping the mirror down and the the cover of the DVD yeah. is such a cool. I'm so glad that they chose that to put on the DVD because it is really really cool looking. Blu-ray, but you know semantics. Yeah. All right, <laughs> pack it in. He hurries up and gets dressed. Uh, he kind of just throws on pants, throws on a, a, a shirt real quick, and rushes out into the hallway. And he just starts banging on every single yeah. door, going, Oh, I'm sorry, I, I was looking for my friend. And people are like, Oh, well, not here, sorry. Um, until he gets to a room and he bangs on the door and this woman answers. And he gives her the same thing. Oh, sorry, I, I was just looking for my friend. I guess I hit the wrong thing. But this woman knows who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as he's about to leave... He hears another voice in the room asks, um, who is, who is that? And he realizes that the voice he was looking for is there. Right. And both of the women introduce themselves to him. Um, it's Emily and Lisa. Mm-hmm. And they are both actually there for the conference that he's doing. Right. Both of them are managers in call rooms call centers centers, and they both have read his book and tell him that uh because they've read their book productivity is up like 95 percent but they're just gushing they are fangirling yeah over what anybody else would see to be very lame (laughs) they're just like oh my god it's like we're meeting a legend yeah and he does he's instantly 
sort of enamored with Lisa. Mm-hmm. He, she looks different from everybody else. She has a different, unique voice. He says that she looks lovely at this point. Um, and then both of them... Uh, he also tells her that she happens to have a miraculous voice. Yes. Crazy thing to say when you just meet somebody, if, if I say so myself. And then he takes... He offers both of them to, like, go get a drink. Right. So he's back to the bar. Uh, same night, same bar, same waiter, probably. Three different women. Yep. <laughs> this time, two of them at once. Could you imagine if, if you were, like, the bartender there and it's a convention for some, like, super nerdy thing or whatever, and you, you meet, like, the... I don't know, what's a good example... You mean, like, the Brad Pitt of the nerdy convention? The and Brad I, Pitt of the nerdy yeah. convention? Uh-huh. And everyone's just like, oh! And I think it's it's also good to note that there's Lisa and... Um, Emily. Emily. I feel like Emily is laying it on thick. Like, she is really telling him how great he is. Uh, yes. No, she definitely is. Uh, I did make notes of that. Yeah. Um, he is so focused on Lisa because she looks different, sounds different from everybody else, that while even while they're drinking and kind of chatting, he's he is replying to Emily, but it's the normal Michael we know where he's kind of like Kurt. short answers, to the point, whatever, but anything Lisa's saying, dumb jokes, mm-hmm. dumb little stupid things, he's laughing about, he's smiling. Yeah. He's got she, his blinders on for sure. She sings at one point, not particularly well, but she's sings for a moment and he's just like you you sound great this is awesome fantastic um they get their drinks um he orders the same drink again they order some other fancy drink that has to do with like cinnamon or something i don't know yeah i don't know what that was um they all have a good time and they leave the bar we see them in an elevator riding together and like you said emily is hanging mm-hmm. all over him. She's yeah. literally got her arms wrapped around Michael's arm. Um, but he's clear, basically ignoring her existence. Oh, yeah. Because Lisa's still laughing and being giggly and saying, like, silly things, and he's laughing and giggling at her, but basically ignoring Lisa. Yeah. They get off the elevator. They kind of go their separate ways for the rooms. And in this moment, Michael stops mm-hmm. and asks Lisa if she would like a nightcap to Just, come, come back to his room yeah. and he goes I'm sorry I don't want to make this awkward Emily but I just you know just Lisa just Lisa and Lisa's like are you sure you don't mean Emily and yeah. Lisa's like shut up yeah. Emily he's he's gorgeous go yeah. with him it's fine I'll be fine she she you, you could see for a split second there's a little bit of like ouch like burn like, oh, okay, well, you're shooting me down in front of my friend, but I, my friend is very reserved, and go for it. I'm a supportive friend. Uh, Lisa does trip here. She just falls over her own legs because yep. I, she's nervous, I guess. <laughs> Clumsy. I've done that before. I feel like if some random guy asks you back to his hotel room, uh, I, I feel like I've heard about that in like a murder documentary before. But at least the friend, well, for sure. But at least the the friend knew where she was going. Did she? I think. She just wanted her friend to get laid. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and that's how you end up dying. Yes, it is. But Lisa's character is... She's so cute and relatable in so many ways. Because she, she, she agrees that, you know, they're big fans of his. But she is not, you know, she's not trying to be a groupie about it. She's just like, oh, yeah, I really liked your book. Or, you know, yeah. whatever. And she's just constantly saying that, you know, she's not pretty enough. Um, are you, like you said, you know, are you sure you don't want her to go back to your room for a nightcap? Why me? Um, she's very um, self-conscious and, I don't know, It's she's very, very cute in her mannerisms. And she you can tell that she's not used to being picked out of the two of them. Yeah. Uh, and in this situation, it's very clear, like, <laughs> what exactly the insinuation is mm-hmm. of him asking like hey you want to go back to my room for a nightcap yeah because they walk awkwardly Very in awkward. silence to his room yeah and then when they get in there lisa is still like shy and like everybody usually likes emily more she's more popular um are you sure you don't want her and michael says he feels something special about lisa yeah and She's kind of, you know, bashful about it and everything. And at this point, we see that the way she wears her hair, which some of her hair is in front of her right eye, Mm -hmm. is she kind of brushes it to the side for a moment. And we see that Lisa has a scar right above her right eye. Yeah. Which, if you remember, the Japanese doll thing also had a crack right above its right eye. Uh, we'll get a little bit more into some things people think later on, but that's a big one to remember. Quick, which eye do I have a scar over? That one. Oh, gotcha. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, too, have a scar over my eye. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's also just sitting here kind of talking, and... Um, she does tell Michael that he she doesn't like to talk about what happened, why she got the scar. Mm-hmm. He then weirdly transitions that to saying, can I kiss it? Mm-hmm. Um, for which she asks him if he is some sort of pervert. Yeah. Uh, what the hell I is think, wrong with you? I think the answer is yes. Yes. Because that is a very weird way to... Get close. Talk to anybody. <laughs> Hey, oh, what happened? How'd you get that scar? I don't want to talk about it. Okay, can I tongue it? Can I touch it? Ew. That's fucking weird. That is fucking weird. Um, I would have... Immediate red flag for me. Of course the thing is supposed to be... He... To him, everybody's the same person. So there's finally somebody who's different. And, Mm -hmm. like, her... The things that make her unique, like this scar, are... It's refreshing. important to him in some sort of way mm-hmm. um still fucking weird though very weird don't do that if you're thinking about it don't do it <laughs> um michael does tell her that he thinks that she's extraordinary um that her voice is like magic she doesn't realize what he kind of deals with or goes through that everybody to him is the same mm-hmm. so this is just like very weirdly over the top like niceties yeah um 
to her. She's like, oh, you're so you're so nice. Oh, mm-hmm. that's not true. Whatever. Um, he asks her to sing. So she does, and she sings Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Yeah. Super cute. And unlike when she was singing in the bar, this isn't bad. Like, in right. the bar, she's kind of pitchy, kind of all over the place, mm-hmm. not great. But here she find, she she kind of, like, closes her eyes, sort of takes a deep breath, sort of sings, and it sounds good. Yeah. Now, we could take this a couple different ways. Um... There is a point in this movie, and it's basically when they get off the elevator, where some people will argue that, um, like, before all this, Michael is already basically fully snapped. And mm-hmm. this part, where he goes into the room, is not actually happening. It's just And part of the explanation is because we heard her sing before, and she wasn't good, but now she sings really well. That's very interesting. As well, there's a moment after she's done singing where she mentions that she likes different languages. Mm-hmm. And um, she says, like, French and, and Spanish and all the Italian. Um, she sings part of Girls Just Want to Have Fun in a Different Language. Mm-hmm. Um, but at one point, she very specifically says, Japanese, obviously. Right. And the connection that some people like to make is they saying, that's not Lisa in the room. That's the Japanese doll that he bought in the room because we do learn later on that that Japanese doll is not just like a a bust like that sits there, but it actually sings and it right. does have a good singing voice. I'm not a hundred percent certain, but I think the the singing voice for the doll is not Tom Noonan. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's Jennifer Jason Lee, but. To me, it kind of sounds similar to her. It's obviously singing in Japanese. She might not know Japanese, so it could just right. be a random Japanese huh. voice. Um, but some people take it that way that at some point in time, none of this is actually happening, and it's all a delusion in Michael's head that he's in this room with Lisa, but really, it's the it's Japanese the doll. doll. That's trippy. I um, definitely didn't catch on to any of this stuff the first time I watched this. So, they get close. Um, He does kiss her. Um, She does ask for him to do it again. So, it's not, like, unconsensual. Right. In case you're worried about that. Um, They lay down on the bed. And she does, at some point, mention, like, it's been years since she's been intimate with anyone. And he's like, that's fine. You just keep talking. I love hearing your voice. Just keep talking. And while she's talking about these random things, like liking different languages and these random, like, facts of... Um, the In Brazil, they speak Portuguese, mm-hmm. but Brazil... This is such a random thing. Brazil is the only country in South America where they sing in Portuguese. Just a random thing that she brought brings up. Um... She calls it an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this whole time, Michael's literally, like, making out with her cheek. Yeah. And she calls it an anomaly. Um, she says that she never really knew what that word meant until she... She always thought that she was an anomaly and thought that that was something bad, so she felt bad about it for yeah. feeling different. But when she actually looked it up, she felt better because she realized that it 
it means that it's like something special yeah. like it's unique it's different something special so that made her feel better about herself mm-hmm. and then michael says you're anomalisa yeah Roll credits, there's the title. Hence hence the title, Anomalisa. It's such a cute little moment. And this, this, when they're laying together, it absolutely reminds me um, of that scene from Lost in Translation when Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson's character, like, they're not, well, they're not kissing or anything in this scene, but they're just laying next to each other, just, like, listening to each other talk as they stare up at the ceiling. And it's just enjoying each other's company. Um, they go back to kissing at this point, uh, and they start to get undressed. They get fully undressed. We do see, um, some puppet boobies. Yes, we do. And Michael starts to go down on her, and she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been a long time. I'm kind of nervous. And he's like, but I want to do it. And she's like, okay. Uh, there's some puppet cunnilingus going on in here and then some eerily realistic sex between these puppets it's very uncomfortable you don't really see anything it's like a a, we're sort of at the window like looking in so it's from the side there's nothing crazy it's just like it it's like a tasteful real depiction of what it would look like just done with puppets. It's so... It's, like, weirdly human, I guess is how I'd say it. If sex scenes make you uncomfortable and puppets make you uncomfortable, (laughs) like me, it's a fun scene. Um, After they finish, uh, they roll over. We get full frontal female puppet nudity. Yep. Um, which is, I don't, I, like, it was your facial expression. I don't think I, I might, I might have forgot that that happened in the movie, but I just didn't remember it. So when it happened, I didn't think anything of it. I'm just so like, whatever, watching the movie. You just make this face and I was like, what? And you're like, I wasn't expecting puppet vagine. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. Um, at this point, Michael has some post-nut clarity. I do not care for that term. <laughs> I, I do hey, not care for that It's at all. true. Shout out to everybody out there who, right. who's experienced it. You know all what I'm right. talking about. Alright. Some Just after you get the you get the clear-mindedness of things. <laughs> he tells her, I don't want to lose you. <laughs> I lose everyone. Yeah. Um, she takes this, obviously, as like a sad but sweet sort of thing mm-hmm. when what he means is like, I'm broken, mm-hmm. and everyone, even people who I've had something with before, such as, assumedly, his wife and Bella, who we've met, met along the way, they just become like everyone else. Right. So, it is quite sad it is hearing very sad. that. <laughs> Post-nut clarity. All right. That'll do. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> We then cut to uh, a, a telephone ringing. It's morning time. Uh, we did see, like, outside there's, like, a shift from night to day going mm-hmm. on with a billboard 
Uh, this is another thing people will point out to where, like, that night that happened was not real. Because on the billboard is a advertisement for the Cincinnati Zoo. Mm-hmm. And on it is a speech bubble that says, It's zoo-sized. It's which is a callback to the thing the taxi yeah, driver said. So you can take that as like again that this night did not actually happen, and that it's some sort of delusional fever dream sort of thing of Michael's. But also at the same time, this scene we're about to get, I think this is your first indication that something is not right. Right. Um, because he gets a phone call, he wakes up. It is the hotel manager who would like to speak with him in his office. And Michael's like, all right, fine. Gets up and goes down there. Lisa stays in, stays in bed. He gets down there, and he's walking down this, like, dark corridor. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of spooky looking already. He goes into, like, a receptionist's office. But in there is, like, four or five rows of three desks each there's like 15 or so desks in there with all these women sitting behind them again everybody looks and sounds the exact same Mm -hmm. he just says hey i'm here to talk to the manager for some reason the receptionist is like oh my god i read your book oh you're so great you can go right in and talk to him so he's like okay cool he walks into the room and it's this big just empty concrete Mm -hmm. room where way at the end is the manager who's like, hey, I'm over here. Just take the golf cart over here. So this room is big enough that you have to have, you take a golf cart yeah. from one end. It's like a like, parking garage. It doesn't seem bit. like too huge that you would actually need to do that. You could probably walk over there just as fast as it would take you to actually drive over there. But there's also this, in the middle, this sunken meeting lounge yeah. thing. And it's just this hole in the middle of this room that you have to go around in the cart anyway. That's just like a circle of couches, or a, square, a rectangle of couches, mm-hmm. basically. It's just like, what is that? What is the point of what that? It's weird. I don't get it. It's strange. Um, but he gets over to the manager, and he's kind of like, what do you want? Get to the point. What is, what, like, he's very visually annoyed for being woke up and being called down there. And the manager is just kind of beating around the bush. He's <laughs> doing the same thing other people have done. I read your book. Small um, talk. After I read your book, uh, productivity is up 95%. We've heard that before. So, again, this is another little hint that something is not quite Something's right here. Off. And the manager gets up. He, he points out that he's got this giant fish tank. <laughs> of saltwater fish which is hard to maintain uh just showing off i don't know if that's if that's supposed to directly represent something i'm not 100 i don't know exactly what that might be but it could who the fuck knows it's weird the manager gets up walks over to a treadmill starts walking on a treadmill and he goes all right michael i love you and i want to be with you you can be with we're all here for you, and we want you if, to love us, but you can have any of us, just not Lisa. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck? What is happening? Uh, so he goes to, like, rush away, and he gets in the golf cart again, crashes it into the sunken place, mm-hmm. just gets up and runs, and the manager's like, 
Like, you can have anyone, just not Lisa. Yeah. He gets out into the secretary room, and everybody instantly stares at him. It is so disorienting and crazy. Yep. Very trippy. And they're all just like, you can have me, Michael. You can have me, Michael. One of them goes, you can fuck me, Michael. Just not Lisa. Yeah. And he just, like, is like, Lisa, and gets up and, like, jumps over the tables, escapes... He goes up the elevator. As he's running out the elevator, if you've watched our streams before, we used to have an old opening that included this scene in it. Yeah. But as he leaves the elevator, his jaw falls off of his face. Yeah. And we see it's not like bones or anything. It's just the actual puppet f face, the yeah. mannequin or, or whatever you'd call this, his face, where it's just like this gray block where you'd stick the thing on to hold in place. Right. And he looks down at it, his eyes are wide, he picks it up, the mouth is moving all over the place, and he latches it back onto his face. And he runs down the hall. Freaking out. Bangs on the door uh, to Lisa's room. Emily's there, like, no, she doesn't want to come. Lisa's there. He grabs Lisa, runs her back down the hall. Um, and gets her... As they're running down the hall, the, the hallway is turning pitch black. Yeah. All the lights go out. They get into the room, and he tells her uh, she's not safe. That they don't want they don't want them to be together. Um, tells her that the manager explained that everyone is a singular person and that they're the only two people in the world. And Lisa is finding all of this extremely romantic. Oh, yeah. She's not it Not realizing that this guy is absolutely off his fucking rocker. Yeah. He just told you that everybody is the exact same, that they don't want him and Lisa to be together, and they're the only people, actual people in the world. And she went, that's sweet. That's so sweet. Um, um, I wish that guy would do say that about me. <clears throat> he, he even tells her that his wife, she's like, well, what about your, your wife and, and son? And he's like, they don't matter. They're not real. Now, the yeah. only thing that's real is us. Totally lo lost his marbles. Uh, but this is when it's revealed that, surprise, it was all a dream. So, I think, look, de depending on where you land on the Japanese doll Lisa thing of, of the night before, I think the, in the indication when we see outside the window and we see the billboard saying Cincinnati Zoo, it's zoo-sized, mm -hmm. is the first indication that everything following this is is a dream right. up until the point of like he wakes up that he was having a nightmare um there's obviously also the things about like i read your book productivity is up 95 percent, which he was told earlier so many coincidences so many like weird things that make it clear that it is a dream and then like crazy psychotic shit happening yeah. with the lights going off and all that um so lisa tells him that he was thrashing around and that this part i find funny um, obviously his wife also told him that he thrashes at night, so it yeah. seems that he has nightmares like this relatively often. And she says, she goes, you were thrashing around and you elbowed me. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And she goes, that's okay. I kind of liked it. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? You like being elbowed in the face? I'm sorry, come again? <laughs> she likes it a little rough, apparently. I guess. <laughs> um, so they get up. Uh, and they're having breakfast. Michael is telling her that he wants to be with her. He want, He's going to leave his wife. Um, says it's something that he has to do. And Lisa just... 
she's kind of overwhelmed at first, but she's just like, you know what? Fine, let's do it. Yeah. As this is going on, they're having, like, some scrambled eggs, some, like, generic breakfasty stuff. Michael says, can you not do that? Yeah. Because she, like, scrapes her fork or her cutlery on, like, the plate or something. She, like, dings it. And he's like, could you not do that? Clearly a trigger for him. Similarly, we've mentioned it before, Michael and I are kind of akin. Well, well, well. Something else. Two, two heart, uh, two minds of the same, what is the saying? Doesn't matter. You're the same. I share the same opinion on this. Uh, (laughs) I've told this story before that um, the worst that it has ever been for me, uh, there's a thing known as like miso... No, no, that's not it. <laughs> that's you're thinking of like the old like mesothelioma <laughs> yeah. commercial thing. It it basically it turns it's the hatred of sound, and it's not something that um, is often very diagnosed. But the symptoms of it are certain sounds trigger the feeling of like rage and hatred <laughs> in a person, and that is how I feel about a couple of sounds. One of those sounds is when you take like silverware Mm -hmm. a fork a spoon knife doesn't matter what it is and it scrapes against the plate right if you're cutting something if you stab something with a fork and then it like scrapes like rubs the plate that sound just fills me (laughs) with anger there's no way to describe it other than it just triggers like an anger in me Mm -hmm. Uh, that for the most part, I can generally just kind of like breathe and, and get away from it. But the worst case of where that ever happened was I must have been a teenager at some point, and it was like the family was sitting down to eat something. I think I was already just having a bad day to begin <laughs> with, but we sat down. I don't know what it was we were eating, but my brother, mother, stepdad are all just cutting into whatever (laughs) scraping their plates and the sound is driving me crazy and i don't remember exactly what i said but i just let out something saying (laughs) just like shut up or whatever and just left the table i could not deal with the sound at all it was i was just so angry from hearing the sound um so that's the first thing that michael does is he asks her not to do that she's like oh okay i'm sorry wait what's your other two I'm getting there. (laughs) So they're still talking and they're kind of going over this and she starts to talk with her mouth full. And he goes, can you not talk with your mouth full? He's getting a little bit more assertive about it. And that's another thing that gets me when people are eating and like smacking their gums with their mouth open. Same thing. That sound. I like makes you want to throw a chair out a window. If I was Bruce Banner, uh, I would turn in the Hulk anytime somebody just chewed next to me. I'd just be like, I'd, that's the secret, Captain. Just chew some, that's the, something that's next the to secret. me. Just I, put me next to Thanos and let him chew, and I'm going to rage out and murder him. I don't I don't think that I, I mind too much about open mouth chewing, because my, my dad has done it before. Um, I am very, I have always very inherently been a... I chew with my mouth closed person. But I will say this. People that chew with their mouth open, it. Animals that chew, 
and like those little TikToks of pandas chomping on bamboo, I could listen to that all day. <laughs> all day, every day. All day, son. <laughs> all day. You have to admit, I feel like I've asked you that before. Like, you're not bothered by animals chomping, right? Or does it still scratch? No, I, I think it's just... People. I would assume it's got to be the underlining understanding of animals are not as aware mm-hmm. as humans are and some people just do it and don't care they've you... got to shovel so much shit in their mouth that they physically can't actually close their mouth and it it oh man it just and you so you... just know if you know me yeah. personally and we're ever going somewhere and you eat like that if if you ask me a question and I give you a snappy response, it's because you eating like that has filled me with anger. <laughs> it's, also, ju- it's just that sound. Like, you could put on headphones, yeah. and if you just played that sound, uh, <laughs> like, that would be probably the equivalent of, like, waterboarding to me. <laughs> I would I would give up state secrets in order to weird. not hear that anymore. And you've, you've, had, you've been forced... To be next to people yeah. in the past that eat, eat with their mouth open. Anyway, so, yeah, I hate those things. So I probably have that hatred of sound thing. What's the third thing? Um, what is the third thing? I don't know. I don't think that this counts, but the sound of people walking in snow gives me the EBGBs. The sound. crunching? I don't know what it is about that sound. It, like, makes me think of velvet and, like, chocolate <laughs> nails. I don't know. Um, anyway, back to the movie. Uh, during this, we also get... Lisa says something that, like, you can't just leave Henry like that. You have to do something. You gotta make sure he knows that it's not his fault or whatever. And Michael goes, you're being kind of controlling. That's the third thing. Now, I'm not like that. I'm not gonna tell somebody, like, you're fucking psycho. You're being controlling. That's not, that's not a me thing. But the other two things, yes. When he does this, during this interaction, there's uh, a shot that I really like, which is we're behind Michael's shoulders. Like, we're right behind his shoulder, and the window behind Lisa is open, and the sun is sort of shining through. So her face is basically obscured because of the bright sun coming in from behind it. The brilliance to this is, as Michael's getting more frustrated about the small things she's doing... We start to hear her voice Mm -hmm. overlap with the voice we hear everybody else have. So she's slowly starting to turn like everyone else in Michael's mind. And he's trying to tell her, no, it'll, it'll be okay. We'll do this. It'll be great to try and like save it as it's actively happening. It's like he's trying to talk himself into salvaging this. Right. But the train's, um, the train's already starting to leave the station. And she was just like, oh my god, this is so exciting. We can go do stuff. We can go to the zoo. Bringing up the zoo again. And during all this stuff, these are issues that are very clearly things that annoy him mm-hmm. about people in general. The small talk, the shit about the zoo he's heard about all night long mm-hmm. over the last night he's been here. Um, the, the clang, the scraping of the plates, the chewing with your mouth, or talking with your mouth full, the controllingness, 
she's turning in to everyone else. Yeah. So it's it's definitely if you're not familiar with the term, like I feel like people say it really often now, thanks to TikTok. But like his those are his icks. Like they give him the ick, mm-hmm. they stand out, and they just rub him the wrong way. And like I said, the train leaving the station now it's starting to, to build yeah. more. And she, she realizes that something is wrong because he's acting a little bit differently. Yeah, something's And different. it's him, again, sort of trying to fight and hold on to what he heard and heard the night before. Mm-hmm. But he ends up losing. And her voice fully changes to sound like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And her face, once it's revealed out of the obscurity of the light now looks just like everyone like else. Everyone else. So. We now cut to him giving the speech. Again... The lecture. The this could be... You might take this as some sort of, like, uh, him thinking more highly of himself than other people. But So as Michael's giving this speech, we see out in the crowd uh, Lisa and Emily kind of sitting sort of central focus with him. And just a bunch of random other people uh, of no importance. It's it's a sea of the same face. Right. Michael's giving this speech, and he is losing his mind He's while giving snapping. This. Off the deep end. His speech is also ironic in the sense that he he is giving a speech about customer service and treating the customer with dignity, respect, as an individual. And in his speech, he mentions that you have to remember that everybody on the other end of that phone is an individual. Mm -hmm. They've all had their days, good days, bad days, you don't know, but everybody is unique and different. But to him, they're not. Everybody is the same. So it's kind of hilarious that his job or his career is teaching this when he himself can't doesn't see that yeah feels the exact opposite which by the way if you have not ever worked in customer service you need to keep that in mind some people are having a day you don't know what everybody's going through so think about that the next time you snap at your waitress for not bringing the ketchup fast enough (laughs) and during his during his speech when he's mentioning everybody has their days good bad whatever he just he's you can tell he's breaking under his own uh, sort of delusion or, or psychological issues because he says, what is it to be alive? What is it to ache? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And people are just like, what the fuck? What's happening here? Like, he's unraveling in real time. Yeah. And then he mentions this the, the bullshitty thing that um, I suppose is is true to some degree but um i just i find it to be the silliest thing ever is that he mentions smile when you're on the phone because they can tell if you're smiling or not it it gives you a more upbeat personality or something if i had a dime for every time a manager or a supervisor said that to me by a small island yeah uh and then he loses his mind a little bit more and he says he says I lost my love. I have no one to talk to. And at this point, we see Lisa in the crowd, and you can tell by her facial expression that she realizes he's specifically talking to her in this moment. And um, 
he then, again, in losing everything that's going on, says, the world is falling apart. He goes into, like, this random rant, tirade almost, saying, the world is falling apart. The president is a war criminal. Mm. Uh, distorted the education system because it's making it easier to, because it's easier to control sa- uh, soldiers. And he does, like, a little march on stage. Um, obviously, if this is 2005, guess who's president then? War criminal George W. Bush. No. <laughs> yeah, he's but he's like he is going, he's going off. He is. That if that was real, there'd be TikToks about it. Yeah, he does. He's he's full on breaking at this point. He does mention at the end that there is something very very wrong with himself. He says, there's something very, very wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people in the crowd are kind of, like, booing and, like, what, is, what the hell yeah, is going what is on happening with this? Here? Um, we cut from there to Michael flying back home. He walks into his house. His wife greets him. His son runs up and, and gives him a big hug. He tells his son that he got him something, and his son takes it out of the bag, and it is the Japanese doll. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "What? What is this?" And he's like, "I, I don't know. It, d- it does things or whatever." And um, he, <laughs> there's then the reveal that there was a surprise party for him, and there's just a ton of people there, which is a nightmare that I have. That I will one day just be somewhere, and there will be a surprise. I. Wish. <laughs> <laughs> Something Maggie's done multiple times. What did my face look like as he said that? Uh, I don't know. Offended. Offended. Yeah, there you go. You already know that. Look, she's given me surprise, like a birthday surprise thing, twice. And they weren't awful or anything. But the way she goes about it... Oh, yeah. Is she comes up with the dumbest, <laughs> most irritating story ever <laughs> that just gets it. me absolutely angry. Yeah. Because I'm, we're like, okay, we need to go do something. I was like, okay, let's go do it. And then she's like, oh, but we need to, like, wait here for something. And I was like, why? Yeah. Let's go do uh, this thing. And she's like, well, we we just need to wait. Nothing like forcing you into a group of your best friends to have a fun time <laughs> as you pissed off. Yeah. I, I, I've done it a couple times. I am very, very bad at um, keeping, like, I, like I, I think I did a great job of being able to pull it off. You were very mad. Yeah. But we did... But at least, like, with this, they were... It was a very, very small group of friends. Yeah, not a whole house full of people. Yeah, not a whole house full of people, and not people that I didn't think that you like, you know, you wouldn't like being there. Yeah. But there was one time where I arranged for... I can't remember if it was the weekend before or the weekend after your... I think it was the weekend after your birthday. Um, I arranged all of our close friends to go to a bowling alley and that was going to be your surprise party was we were going to like have drinks and food and bowl and I like even went to the point that um, like when you were taking a shower I stole your bowling ball and I put it in the back of the car and I hit it and uh, and my thing was I think I said something like my mom needs us to meet her somewhere to give us something. And you were like, okay. But you drove, like, 
a little too fast at one point or something, and then I was like, uh, she said that she pulled over at this bowling alley to use the bathroom, and we should go in there. Oh, you was mad. And then we went in, and everyone went, surprise! Uh-huh. <laughs> and you had a fun time. The way she do- tells it, she forgets the part where it was like, we were going somewhere oh, yeah. to, like, get food or something was my plan. <laughs> and then she's like, we need to stop here. And then we were sitting there for, like, 30 <laughs> minutes, and I was like, okay, I just want to go get food. Like, what the- What are we doing? Yeah. We can come back. And she's like, well, no, um, uh, uh, uh. Not good at it. Yeah. Not anyway. good at it. But you had, a, you had a good time. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. You had yeah. fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the point. So when it's revealed that there's a surprise party, Michael literally says, who are these people? I don't I don't know who any of these people are. And she's like, and the wife is just like, Jesus Christ, Michael, like, you know these people. Yeah. And again, everybody looks the same, sounds the same. Mm-hmm. So to him, it could just be anyone. People come up and like, hey, and he's like, Hi. I don't, I don't, I can't tell who you are. This is, like, very poorly timed out. He does not want to be interacting with people right now. His son at this point goes, what did the toy just do? And the wife looks down and goes, oh my god, Michael, it looks like semen. And this ties back to the toy theory thing that people have, in that the night that we saw with Michael and Lisa where it wasn't Lisa but it was the Japanese toy is that Michael had sex with that toy and that that is definitely semen coming out of it and it's his <coughs> yeah um <laughs> Michael just uh asks his wife who like in a final sort of moment just says like who are you really yeah um, in the sense of, like, I actually don't know who you are. Who are you? You're you're all the same person. Who are you? What do you want? And she just goes, Jesus Christ, Michael. Like, what do you mean? Um, uh, and she just kind of, like, thinks that it's more of an existential sort of question. Mm-hmm. And he says he's not leaving. He just says, like, where would I go? I have nothing. I literally have nothing. Where would I go? Um, The toy starts to sing at this point. Mm -hmm. It's singing in Japanese. Again, the voice is different from everything else. Mm -hmm. So it's unique. And Michael just kind of takes it and sits down on his the stairs in his house just looking at this toy as it's singing. And we cut to seeing Lisa in a car writing a a letter to michael Mm -hmm. basically saying that she enjoyed their time together and that she looked up in her japanese to english dictionary again going back to the Mm -hmm. the weird connection between the japanese toy and lisa like why when she went to cincinnati does she have a japanese to english language dictionary it's curious kind of weird but she looked up Anomalisa in the dictionary and found that it translates to um to what does it translate to? It translates to goddess of heaven. That's what it translates to. So while she's writing this note, we do see that 
she looks over, and Emily is driving the car. Yeah. And Emily looks different. Emily looks normal in this case. So we're seeing this from Lisa's perspective. Right. And Lisa and Emily both look like normal humans. They don't look like everybody else looked to Michael while she was writing this letter to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so the that's where it ends. She's writing this note. She just wanted Michael to know that she had a good time. Anomalisa means goddess of heaven in Japanese. And we do see that everybody is unique people. They're not actually all just a singular person. Right. And that's the end of the movie. That's it. Um, The the big sort of questions there when... that I've kind of brought up throughout it is was Lisa real? Mm -hmm. Um, I think the assumption at the end of the movie is yes she is a real person but how much of her time with michael was what we saw was actually what we saw and it's hard to not say that what we did see was the truth because she was only called anomalisa when they spent that night together right um the stuff with the japanese toy and the semen thing at the end is a little weird and there is the connections with the scar and the crack on the doll and the fact that they both the singing is weird so you can take it any sort of way that you want i'm not 100 percent into the like the toy was her her at some points to michael just because i don't think in his delusions where everybody looks the same and sounds the same um, I don't think he would just all of a sudden imagine something else is another person. Right. It seems like there was a very clear trajectory on on maybe what his delusions was were, um, and then that just kind of forked off into something that would have forked off into something different. Yeah. You know. So I don't. I I think I agree. I don't. I don't think that I buy that. Um, when I first saw this movie, I took away because I did not know what the Fregoli delusion was. So when everybody had the same face and voice to me, I took that as, um, because we see Michael so frustrated and annoyed with people throughout that it was sort of a symptom of him seeing everybody as sort of like an annoyance in his life that everybody was uh obviously yes he was he he was like depressed and having these issues um but everybody was so simple to him i guess is a way to say it because the the small talk annoyed him and the simple mannerisms that everybody has is what lisa ended up showing that made her just like everybody else. That tips him um, over the edge. So, I don't know. It, it's a... I really enjoy this movie, and I do think it is one where there is... Because it's intentionally made to let you kind of interpret things however you want to, it's one that you could definitely sit around and talk with people about. For and sure. uh, get Get different takes from it all over the place. I think it is kind of silly not to realize that the Fregoli delusion is um, definitely something that does plague the character of Michael. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
and and his, I think the nightmare sequence basically solidifies that, especially when when you know what the delusion is that in his dream when the manager's like we want you to love us not her, not her. um goes into the thing where you think it's a singular person who's just trying to fool you or trick you or deceive you whatever it might be um but i think i think the movie's great it is it's it's definitely great and it is one of those things that when i the first time that i watched it i feel like i appreciated um a lot of the elements but watching it again it you it's uh, an onion layers. It's a lot deeper <laughs> a than onion. a lot of things that I, you know, a lot of those things went over my head the first time I watched it because I wasn't thinking I was going to see some, like, mind-blowing, you know, piece of work. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are plenty of people out there that watch this movie that were like, you know, that's probably how it is, you know, with disassociation. And yeah, some like people that. would, uh, I've heard people speak about it being um, sexual related in that there's a lot of stuff in this like we don't know what the pills are that he takes at the beginning of the movie right. some people say maybe it's like a Viagra or something because there's he tries to sleep with Bella he uh, goes to the sex shop and gets this doll potentially does something with the doll there's the guy who's masturbating mm -hmm. that he see that he sees um, he gets it in with Lisa, mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of like sexual things sort of going on throughout the night. Uh, Which yeah. you did not warn me about the first time. The first time that I why would it. I why <laughs> why would I spoil that for anyone? Yeah, I mean I've spoiled it for you if you're listening to this and you've never seen yeah. a movie. But you thought Team America's yeah. puppet sex was something. Yeah, this is awkwardly realistic. <laughs> it, it, this is something. But but it it is the whatever uncomfortableness I felt was very balanced out by the other elements of the movie and the storyline, the the roller coaster that was this guy's life. It's definitely not what I was expecting, but uh, I do agree that I, I think it's a great movie. Was it nominated for any awards or anything? Uh, it was nominated for Best Animated Film. Did it win? No. What one? I do not know. I could probably find out. That's surprising that it didn't win. Because it really is fluid, really fluid animation. And like you said, it's the kind of movie that after you watch it, you're, you want to talk. Uh, inside Out. Oh. That, that is very you, different. You, you don't bet against uh, Pixar. The Pixar, no. Yeah, those are totally opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, but uh, but yeah, I know. Like you said, it's the kind of movie that when you watch it, it for the first time, you're gonna think about it for like the next cup, you know, next day or so. It's the kind of movie that you can sit in a group of people and be like, well, what did, like, what's your opinion on it? Like, wh how do you think that this went? Or, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's one of those ones that makes you think. And yeah. it's for a, a motion picture movie to, to get you to do that is impressive, I think. Yeah. 
And, and that's what I really like about this movie. I like something where, you know, at the end of it, I could have on an initial take one thought, and then I could go listen to somebody's yes. take on it and watch it again and be like, okay, I can yeah, see where I that goes. That. Like, the first time I saw it, the whole Frigoli hotel thing meant nothing to right. me. And then after I looked into the movie after, I was like, oh, oh. And then you can watch it, and you kind of have a different take with it. And so... I can also appreciate, too, where there are were elements of his character that you could relate to. Yeah. So, yeah. that's always nice. Yeah, people annoy me. That's what they it is. They do. <laughs> they, be, they do be annoying. Um, so, yeah, definitely check this movie out. If you haven't watched it in a while, maybe we brought up a, a theory or idea or something that on a new watch you'd, you'd kind of pay more attention to and be like, right. oh, shit, okay, I see where that kind of connection can be. Um, but thank you for listening. Thank you. Uh, we will be back again next Thursday with uh, Maggie Pick of something. Who knows yeah. what? Yeah. It's going to be great. I don't um, know what it is yet, but it's going to be great. <laughs> but wherever you're listening, be sure to give us a follow, give this a rating, leave comments, any suggestions or, or criticism, all that stuff is, is welcome. Um, but thank you for listening. Yeah. You can catch us uh, all over the place at COAS underscore podcast or Chicken on a Stick on YouTube to watch, listen to the podcast there. If you're already listening to it, welcome. Um, Leave comments. Yeah. Opinions. Leave comments, share, all that good stuff. And then you can find us every Friday over on Twitch where we talk about a movie. Yeah. Whatever we saw that week. Whatever we saw. But... Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. So, goodbye. Have a great weekend or week or morning or afternoon or evening. Whatever it is to you right now. (laughs) Okay, well, goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.